Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, this is Dan Spoon, President of the American Council of the Blind. I just want to give a big hip, hip, hooray out there to our tremendous membership that does such a great job. Thank you for calling the ACB Radio and Information Line, brought to you by Xenomedia. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. The following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McKellen. There's one organization in Cincinnati, Ohio, that's printing Braille for the blind who need it the most. That organization is the Clover Clover Nook Center for the Blind. The center has a Braille printing house who hires blind and visually impaired workers, producing 30 million pages for global customers each year. Here to talk about some of the wonderful Braille work that the Printing House does is the Clover Nook Center for the Blinds Director of Braille Production and Accessible Innovation, Samuel Folks. Welcome to the show, Samuel. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Glad you're here. What do you do as the Director of Braille Production and uh, Accessible Innovation at the Clover Nook Center for the Blind? Well, I, I wear a couple different hats here at Clovenook, but you can really separate it into two different um, camps. The first camp is as director of Braille production. Um, I oversee or production of bulk Braille products. And when I say bulk Braille products, I'm talking about um, kind of high volume uh, printing runs of books and magazines, um, uh, corporate uh, corporate projects, um, anything that kind of looks at printing something that's more than, say, 100 copies. It could be 101 copies. It could be 100,000 copies. Uh, the second kind of half of my role here at Clovenook is looking at or kind of existing strengths and core competencies and applying those to new areas for Clovenook. So, um, that's working with our arts and accessibility initiative, uh, or print braille, braille development, um, initiative and a couple other different, uh, spaces where we're looking at what are we good at and how can we apply that in different areas than we have historically. Wonderful. Speaking of history, let's get into the history of the Braille Printing House. When did the Clovernook Center for the Blind establish this very special operation? So I personally find the history of Braille and tactile writing fascinating. I could talk about it probably for the length of this interview, but I'll try to be succinct. Uh, and essentially, Clovenuk, we were established in 1903 initially as a home for women who are blind, uh, but it quickly became, uh, became a 
place of industry as well. So in 1914, we were gifted a printing press or founders, uh, one of whom was blind herself, uh, had very close ties to printers across the city of Cincinnati, which back in the early 1900s was one of the printing capitals of the world. Uh, and we had these huge amounts of paper donated and quickly began a tactile writing press. So back in 1914, we weren't actually printing Braille. We were printing a different form of tactile writing called New York Point, which was the primary um, kind of system at the time in the U.S. And we didn't start printing Braille until the mid-1920s. Now, we've always been uh, kind of specialized around bulk printing and primarily leisure printing. So other printing houses like American Printing House for the Blind, uh, they're doing a lot of work with kind of education and textbooks and school materials. We've always been primarily geared around leisure reading books, magazines, and for a large portion of our history, uh, we have mostly just been producing uh, materials for the Library of Congress, the National Library Service. So uh, all of those magazines that you can get through the National Library Service, all those books you can check out from your local library in alternative formats, we are producing a lot of those products. Uh, so for the past 108 years, uh, that has been kind of our, our primary focus. Uh, and we believe that we're the largest producer of Braille in the world uh, in terms of the number of pages we print. Uh, we're at about 30 million uh, on average over the last few years. Printing House has been around for uh, over 100 years. Wow. Was the Printing House the first Braille producer mainly operated by blind and visually impaired workers? Yes. So as a nonprofit, we have always had a uh, kind of core uh, mission aspect to our work here, which is to also be an inclusive uh, place of employment. So uh, we always strive to hire individuals who are blind or low vision uh, in every role across the organization. So not just, you know, as a Braille proofreader, but in production, in management, in product design. Uh, every time I look at creating a position here, I'm looking at how I can make it accessible uh, and how it can be an opportunity for someone in our community who may be discriminated against when it comes to finding uh, gainful employment. Uh, and through all that, we try to offer competitive wages, competitive employment packages, you know, something that um, historically organizations for the blind haven't been very good at. Uh, we have been striving to improve uh, and be kind of a leader in providing competitive uh, employment. And today, how much of the Braille Printing House staff is blind and visually impaired? It's about 50%. About 50%. That's pretty amazing. How has the Clovernook Center for the Blind spoken out just to become one of the largest producers of, producers of Braille in the whole world? So I, I think that if, if anyone comes to Cincinnati, that they're welcome to take a tour because our ability to print that much Braille is really thanks to our unique equipment. Uh, we had printing presses that were custom 
made for us back, uh, I believe, in the late 1940s, early 1950s. Uh, they're fed by these giant rolls of paper, and they are about five times faster than any modern uh, embossing machine, even at the top end. Uh, so that's really what provides us with the ability to produce that many pages is that we're still using what some people would call old-fashioned technology. Well, sometimes old-fashioned tech can be the best tech. Uh, and that's our um, uh, kind of really our claim to fame when it comes to being able to print uh, print so much. And over 30 million pages of material are sent from the facility every day to other blind people, local libraries, and worldwide customers who need it each year. Not, um, yeah, not each day, sorry. Uh, 30 million a year. I don't know that we could quite handle 30 million oh, pages. Of, oh, oh, 30 uh, million a year. Ah, yes. Okay. What 30 million a day is, is uh, quite impossible, I think. <laughs> that may sound awesome, but yeah, quite impossible indeed. Um, what are some of the Braille materials you guys produce? I see you have a whole list. Yeah, so we're still providing a lot of material for the National Library Service. So many of the magazines that are available free through the uh, distribution service will produce here. So we do the Braille version of Rolling Stone, Martha Stewart, National Geographic, um, Reader's Digest, multiple sports schedules. It's, it's close to 20 different titles, as well as uh, close to 100 different books that we produce for uh, actual library centers across the U.S. Uh, we also produce print Braille books for those same libraries. So about, it used to be 98%. Today, it's about 75% of our work is under federal contract. The other 25% is a mix of individual publishers, um, corporate clients. So for instance, we produce all the Braille menus for McDonald's here, which is one of our biggest orders. Uh, that is 130,000 uh, pieces um, that we have to print in about two weeks. Uh, so a mixture of um, government, corporate, private, essentially. Uh, what kind of books do you create in Braille for the local libraries? So those are actually selected by the Library of Congress. So we have books assigned to us. Um, can, it could be each week, each month, depending on um, what kind of contract cycle we're in. But the uh, uh, selection committee at the Library of Congress will pick what books and will produce them uh, on their behalf. Now, we do get individual requests from time to time um, from authors or from publishers, uh, but most of the time they're um, on assignment and we're not uh, selecting ourselves. Clovernook is one of the founding members of the Braille Authority of North America, or B-A-N-A, -A, or do they pronounce it as BANA? BANA, yes. BANA, okay. Tell us more about BANA. So BANA is a board that, uh, authority that essentially oversees uh, the Braille code usage in North America, so that it also includes Canada. There are representatives from organizations across the U.S. and Canada that sit on the BANA board, and essentially they're responsible for maintaining and updating uh, the code here in the U.S. and Canada. 
So uh, an example of that would be the implementation of Unified English Braille in January of 2016. That was uh, due to Banner's adoption of the code. So they're making decisions on code usage, updating the code, uh, new symbols. Uh, and so those decisions are made by these representatives, uh, of which Clovenook is one, um, on all sorts of decisions relating to the code. The Braille Printing House offers several services, ranging from Braille transcription to, to the tactile graphics. Can you explain some of these to us? Yeah, so producing Braille is made up of many different stages of production. Um, so kind of the full start to finish from having a print book to having the same in Braille uh, is kind of a multi-step process where you're transcribing the material uh, using a translator service uh, and human intervention as well. Proofreading, um, QA, quality assurance, duplication, shipping. So we offer that kind of full service, but we also, for some clients, do pieces of that service. So we may be duplicating something that someone's already produced the Braille file for. We may just tra be transcribing or proofreading. Um, or tactile graphics uh, uh, kind of wing has always been uh, on the smaller side. So we're typically only doing custom pieces for museums here and there. Um, we don't have kind of a large scale tactile graphic uh, facility here. I see. The Braille Printing House is an arts and accessibility initiative in response to the need for the accessible experiences of Braille materials being brought to museums and additional public spaces where a lot of the blind go to. What sort of public, spa public spaces are we looking at here? Uh, so we're looking at pretty much any kind of public space. And this was the first initiative that I launched in my role here. Um, where we looked at our strengths and we looked at the gaps in the world around us. So, you know, as you've learned, uh, we have this amazing, uh, inclusive workforce, uh, and we also are able to print a lot of stuff. And what we noticed is essentially that in these cultural spaces, museums, uh, performing spaces, uh, that there's really not a lot out there for people who are blind or low vision to have anywhere close to an equitable experience. Uh, it's either going to be a fraction of, or it's going to be non-existent in most cases. Uh, so we identified two major barriers that were stopping this from happening. One was uh, kind of institutional knowledge of the tools that could be used to provide that access. And the second being the fact that those services are often very expensive. So what we do is we try to remove both barriers. So we essentially get grants and sponsors and foundations to fund our initiative so that we can offer our services for free. So a museum can contact us. Uh, we'll consult with them for free on their space, what might work within that space. Uh, and then we can provide some of those solutions uh, free of charge, uh, and they can provide those to their patrons. So it's a great way for museums to experiment with access without that financial risk that many of them are unwilling to take. Uh, and it's also a way for them to learn. And so what we try to do here through all of that is to make sure that 
those solutions and those conversations are being driven by the people who would be using them. So every project that we do here uh, is, is fully informed by my colleagues who are blind or low vision being a part of or driving that project to make sure that, you know, I'll, I'll just say quickly that I, I see a lot of ideas often that seem great to someone who's sighted, but they haven't asked anyone who's blind uh, or low vision what they think about it. And I think it's so important to make sure that that, um, that, that feedback is a part of your design uh, or your project. Otherwise, you might end up with something that looks great, but is completely useless in practice. How does the Cloverdook Center provide Braille production and training to nonprofit organizations who are interested in designing and training their own staffing and working with their own equipment to create Braille? you know, as part of their organizations? Yeah, so that was a program that we launched, um, kind of soft launched uh, about four years ago, uh, where we are kind of providing um, benchmarking and providing best practice tips to other nonprofit groups trying to produce Braille, uh, really targeting organizations and groups uh, outside of the U.S. So covid kind of put a bit of a damper on that. Uh, but we've published some papers and we've done some trainings. And essentially, uh, we are very much trying to be an open book to any other organization that's trying to produce Braille um, for children, for adults, for whatever, uh, because there are so many ways that we've found to make the process, I guess, easier um, or to remove some of the kind of common sticking points. So we're always trying to share that knowledge with other groups and we always welcome those conversations. You were talking about the uh, partnership with the National Library Service earlier, and you also offer their transcribing course, their technical Braille transcribing course. Talk about that. Uh, so actually, we do not offer the uh, technical Braille transcribing course. We authored, mm -hmm. um, we authored material for that technical Braille transcribing course. And the course has not yet uh, been launched. Um, oh, I see. Okay. We, we authored the course um, and uh, it has not yet been put into practice, but that will not be um, by our organization. Who are some of the Braille printing house's best clients and what are some of their projects? So still the National Library Service, big clients. Um, some of our bigger corporate clients, um, such as McDonald's, uh, we have a new partnership here with an organization called TriHealth, the, the biggest uh, health network here in the Cincinnati tri-state region. Uh, and that is actually um, showcasing our latest product, which we're very excited about, uh, which is an accessible business card uh, and not in um, kind of the traditional Braille business card sense. It's one that is uh, supposed to be more accessible than that. Um, what are some of the newest projects that you're working on right now at the house? So um, I guess back to that card. So uh, these cards, which we're going to have a public site launch here later this year, um, they have QR codes on them. And typically a QR code is going to take you to a website. These QR codes actually have some additional um, coding uh, in them. 
to essentially where you, you point your phone at it and every piece of print information that's on the card itself is imported into your phone as a new contact. So you don't have to type anything in. Uh, you don't have to ask someone to read it to you. Uh, and there are tactile markers around the QR so you know where to um, line it up with your camera. Uh, so that's something we're very excited about because business cards traditionally, um, they're a way that a business greets a client or a customer. And to someone who's blind or low vision, uh, what does that say about how much they value you if that is completely inaccessible? So this partnership with TriHealth, who's a pilot corporate client, has us doing um, these new accessible cards for all 12,000 of their staff. Um, so that's a new product we're very excited about. Uh, we're also working on a pilot program with a number of schools in East Africa. Uh, producing print braille storybooks, and we're pairing those up with uh, these tactile learning kits, which are essentially 3D printed models of items that are found within the storybook. Um, so those are the two uh, uh, kind of newest initiatives that we're working on here at Clover. So why don't you describe the Braille Printing House to us, say we were to take a tour of the factory, describe briefly what the printing house looks like. What's inside? So the printing house actually sits on about 30 acres of land, but in the city of Cincinnati. So when we were founded, uh, it was actually, um, we, our first kind of building was an old farmhouse, which still stands on our campus was built in 1832, I want to say. Uh, it's one of the oldest structures in the area. And so we still have all of this land that was attached to the house, and most of it is undeveloped. So there's a surprising amount of kind of green space around the printing house. Um, we also have uh, quite a few buildings on the campus. It's There's a very large warehouse manufacturing space where we to put a lot of our publications together uh, and ship um, ship all of our magazines and books out of. The printing house itself is uh, about 40 staff, and it's, it's kind of separated into two areas. You have your kind of pre-production area where people are transcribing and proofreading, uh, and then you have your production area where you'll find all of our heavy machinery, presses, um, we have a couple different types of presses, uh, plate embossing devices, which are essentially these giant stamping machines that stamp our plates that we use in these presses. Um, and you'll also notice in that area that it's very loud. So there, there's this constant um, sound of a printing presses in the background, uh, kind of rolling as the plates hit the paper. Uh, and that's that's pretty much a constant. So it's it's really a fascinating tour. Uh, and it's one that's, I think, unlike any other production space in the U.S., just because we're still using these um, uh, printing press technologies. How can our uh, listeners get in touch with the Braille Printing House? So uh, I'm always happy to chat with folks about Braille anytime. Uh, so my email and phone number are actually on our website under Braille Production. Uh, I'm happy to chat. Um, so I would say contact contact me if you'd like to learn more about our services or just want to um, 
learn more about Clovenet. Samuel, we appreciate your services to create material to help the blind read and maneuver the world. Keep up the good work. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under list of episodes and show news tab. My show archive is at speaking-out-for-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening. And remember to speak out. You are listening to ACB Media One, also known as Mainstream, the flagship of the ACB Media Network. The ACB Media Network is a service of the American Council of the Blind. Please visit us at acbradio.org.